Previously on Drama. This haughty shrink has been through some kind of trauma in her past, some inciting incident that has caused a piece of her soul to go away to avoid suffering. I am neutered and nutted, and I have done it to myself in the name of Little D Drama, in the name of the 44 minutes we huck up each week when we are lucky enough to have a job. We just want to have a job. Who doesn't want to have a job? I believe I speak for all of the children when I say to you that all that children want is some fundamental changes to their education. They need to be prepared for chaos, not order. They want to thrive in chaos, not civilization. The milk seems to glow. The white fleece of Fig's dress has grown longer, like she's wearing kitten fur. Fig drinks the whole glass of milk. It pours right through her. Light now reveals that Fig is standing in Penelope's office. This is the full-on night gallery version of things dark, spooky as hell. Fig's puddle of milk shimmers in the TV light. The puddle is deep. Naked mole rats perform synchronized swimming moves. Spread out across the floor, Noah's files glow bright. Penelope has neatly piled them in crosses. Why are you here? I came to see you. Yes. I don't normally allow gum chewing in my sessions. Then hold out your hand. Penelope holds out her hand. Fig politely drops the gum from her mouth into it. The gum glows. Penelope drops the glowing gum into a mesh wastebasket, where the gum continues to glow. Is this your first time visiting a psychiatrist? Yes. Well, children aren't typically part of my practice, so we're even. It's difficult to begin, I know, so... Why don't you just tell me what you're curious about in terms of our work together here? What's a question you'd like to ask? I'm sorry, what's your... I don't seem to... I don't have an appointment. My name is Fig. Fig. Fig with a Y. And I'm not a child. I'm 15. 15? 15. I could drive next year. But for now, you're a child. Well, I believe I have come here to speak for children. Why don't you just speak for yourself? All right. Can I sit in your lap? Okay, then. Never mind. Hold my gum? Fig delicately spits another glowing gum into her own hand. She holds it out for Penelope. Penelope does not take it. I believe I speak for all of the children when I say to you that all that children want is some fundamental changes 
to their education. They need to be prepared for chaos, not order. They want to thrive in chaos, not civilization. Fig seems to stare at the pulse in Penelope's throat. Penelope holds very still. They want swamp masters, not school teachers. Swamp masters? Can I play with your hair? Fig plays with Penelope's hair. Penelope is immobilized. I've just been thinking that instead of, say, war, we should revert to institutionalized human sacrifice. Ritualized, individual sacrifice. It was once commonplace. War itself could be outmoded and armies of soldiers replaced with a parallel offering to the universe. To God? Or whatever you imagine him to be. Parallel in terms of the fact of human sacrifice, but more cost-efficient in terms of bodies. Souls. Yes. Souls. Hold my gum. Penelope holds Fig's gum in her hand. It glows. Fig gets up and walks away. She stands in a shard of light. The lights have dimmed around Penelope. The glowing gums glow brighter, the one in her waist basket and the one in Penelope's hand. Penelope sets the second with the first. The human body is a field on which the spirit plays. The living body is soul articulated. The soul is polycentric. Fig runs her hands over her torso, touches these parts of her body. Heart. Liver. Womb. What is it you want? Do you have kids? No. Why not? I've never been pregnant. Why not? Various reasons. Why? Lots of reasons. Fig sits in Penelope's lap, like a little kid. You've been drinking milk. Oh, yes. What brings you here, Fig? I think there's something wrong with me. What's wrong? Can you tell me what's wrong? I see other people get excited, but I have no expression. I'm like a baby before it can smile. Yes. I see other people with things they need. I have nothing. No home. I'm like an idiot. My mind is so empty. Yes. Other people look bright. I feel dark. I hear them talk about what they think. I don't know anything. I don't feel anything. I don't want anything. Fig's fingers drop from Penelope's hair and rest at the pulse in Penelope's throat. Fig stares at the pulse. Why are you here? You have pretty hair. Yours is pretty too. You have beautiful eyes. You have my eyes. Are you my mommy? No. No, I'm not. I don't want you to watch the polar bears drown. I think it would be very interesting to watch the polar bears drown. I think you would be the best mom for me. I'm sorry. No. Okay then. That's okay. 
Darkness encroaches until Penelope and Fig are mostly just lit by the little glowing gums. Why are you here? I believe the present human existence is precious, that one should never waste a minute of its use. I believe the living body is a vessel in service of the soul. You want me to see you? I see you. I see you. My apologies. Hi, Penny. It's me. Hey. I was shopping for riding boots on the avenue, and I noticed that the birds are all walking. Like, all of them. I don't see any flying. Just walking from place to place. Have you noticed that? Anyway, I think this is message number 27 or so, which is fine. But if I didn't know you were so super busy, I'd think you were being rude. Through the receiver, we hear a genetically modified lion's roar. And then we hear some coyotes, and just... Just the lion. Call me. Exterior. City streets. Bright daylight. Penelope and Fig walk along. Lily joins them. She's in a coma, so it's mostly just her spirit. Noah trails behind. It's a kind of Jungian dream parade. Ghosts of cows pass by in the opposite direction. Lily is walking about three feet above the ground. She is wearing a hospital gown that has been modified so that it is TV flattering. Dead face, deep red lips, like Penelope's. She chats through her coma girl lips like she's in episode 167 of some 1990s medical show. So I'm playing a coma girl now, a coma girl. Coma from overdose. Accidental attempted suicide. Prescription medications. Channeling my fragility into a kind of strength. A boundlessness. My legs, my skin, my pretty eyes. These will soon be down to dust. But nobody can take away the unraveling of my mind. I'm powerful in that Brittany Murphy kind of way, you know? I'm young, I'm sexy, I'm talented, and I'm... in a coma. Fig leads them all to Columbia who is in the Nakwaga Spa. Interior. Fawn. The Nakwaga Spa. Columbia is now even more hugely pregnant. She's wearing a snow-white cotton waffle spa robe that barely covers her enormous belly. She's holding a glass of cucumber water. She's very still. Noah, Fig, and Lily drift around the spa in shadows in and out of non-being. I didn't get your messages until just now, and I'm very sorry I haven't been around. I've had back-to-back sessions, which is great, but... I haven't been sleeping much, and you may have heard from the concierge that there was another suicide, or... attempt. She's not dead, I don't believe, depending on what you mean by dead. Probably should have sealed that bathroom, that's clear in hindsight, but just because a girl's gone crazy doesn't mean she doesn't have to pee. Lily floats around like Casper. So I haven't slept. Columbia, 
I haven't dreamt since I moved in. This building is haunted. Or at least my office is. That vestibule, that bathroom is. And I'm wondering what the caveat emptor quotient is on a live-work-condo fucking retrofit abattoir set atop an ancient spirit ground. I know they gave me 30 days to avoid the deal, but that was yesterday, so... So I, I guess I'll just call the concierge desk and complain. What? Collie? You're nervous. That's natural. I know what's natural about having an animal living inside of you. But it has a heartbeat. Can you feel it moving? Yes. So? You're just overdue. Please don't look at me like that. Columbia sips from her glass of cucumber water and spits it on the floor like it's toxic. <laughs> Columbia. How can I be your godmother when I don't believe in any god? Moreover, and no offense, but I really shouldn't be the one responsible for the spiritual upbringing of a child who has no spirit. That is, I think we might agree it's possible no baby soul has found its way inside you yet, and I, my friend, seem to have a black thumb. I should not be let near living things. Columbia sips her water and spits it out. <laughs> Look at you a doula. Everybody loves babies. It's going to be okay. Now Columbia does not sip, but somehow spits out another mouthful of cucumber water. <laughs> okay, so... Columbia's cell phone emits a tone. In time with its vibrations, Columbia's belly seems to glow in pulses from inside. Perhaps there's another solution. Columbia shuts off her phone and her belly goes dark. Fuck me. Okay, okay then. Penelope goes to Columbia, lays a hand on her belly, strokes it like a pet. There, there. It's okay. Just... Do you believe in the absence of God, Penny? Do you believe that in the absence of God, anything is possible? So do I. Columbia grows deadly still. You say there is no place for you in this child's life. I say, never drive black cattle in the dark. So I'm taking things more slowly now. Making sure my water will not break. That will happen only when I want it to happen. Because water doesn't break. That's the whole point of it being water. Ask the Grand Canyon. Fire can't be folded. Air can't be torn, and so... My water will never break, and this small body will live inside me. Columbia faces Penelope and opens her bathrobe. In blood, 
written on her belly as though carved by a wee fingernail from within. In tiny adamant capitals, the words... Everything is going to be okay. Right? This town is a mess, my simple eastern friend. Hi, honey. Yeah, we're doing great. We're having fun. You know I love this ball. Penelope dials a favorite. Meredith, do you have a minute? I don't know how to proceed. In the absence of God, anything is permitted. Penelope's office, a bit later. Fig sits at Penelope's feet like a faithful dog. Noah sulks in shadows. Lily floats like she's in the exorcist. Why is everybody talking about God all of a sudden? The absence of God. Oh, good. The absence of God is good? No, the absence of God is good is good. Because it seems to me God is not good, not just good. So the absence of God is good spells possibility to me, spells a kind of hope to me, something that is like hope, only more real. Don't ever let anyone hear you say that. Who are the Swamp Masters? Swamp Masters. Swamp Masters. Fig goes to the Freud bust and twists off its head. Rolled tight, where Freud's brainstem would be, there is a thick sheath of Noah's pages. Fig extracts one and hands it to Penelope. Swamp Masters is a one-hour procedural wherein a band of underground renegade forensic psychiatrists call themselves the, the Swamp Masters. Masters. They exist in a funky hotel in a retrofitted abattoir in a boom-boom town where the plains meet the mountains and the past meets the future, and they function as scouts, protectors, an uneasy emollient between stupid reality and fuckwad hope. Are they real? The sage is unmoved. You? The sage rises, looks out the window. There is rain. Dr. Rennick? <laughs> Me? Me? Get those pages out the door. They're not mine to give. In a world without morals, anything is permitted. A world without morals is a bleak place, Meredith. Chicken claws and lipstick. I believe my friend's baby is in danger of being born without a soul. I don't think that any baby's soul has chosen my friend as its mommy, mother. I don't know how to proceed. Come here. Come, Come here. here. Fig and the sage lead Penelope to Lily, who is now resting on Penelope's psychiatrist couch. Lily appears to be dead. Dead Lily is dressed exactly like Penelope, made up exactly like her, quaffed exactly like her. Penelope stands over her as though she is staring at herself, dead. Did she die? Depends what you mean by die. All humans, dead and alive, 
are connected to each other from the perspective of soul. We once knew it as the community of saints. Inner persons who crowd our dreams and waking thoughts. Noah moves dead Lily into a sitting position. He sits with an arm around her, like with a friend who is drunk. The dead are as much a part of life as the living, Doctor, like it or not. Dead Lily's eyes fall open, but they are a strange color, like... white. How dare you send your suicides to me? She's not technically dead, you dim little spirit. You fucking father. You faint little soul. They chose you. They recognized me. Same for same. I didn't see it coming, Meredith. How is that possible? What did he say to you on that terrible day? He said he didn't know how to go on. Then I looked into your fathomless eyes, and I saw that you do. We've come to time! Penelope pulls out her pink 38 and aims it at Noah, shaky like in a TV show where the character doesn't know how to use a gun. You can't kill him, Penelope. He's dead. Penelope keeps pointing the gun. An animal is born. It follows that the animal will suffer. Babies make bias, Doctor. A swamp master must cool her own blood, ride her superego into submission, hog tie her id with a rope of air. What does my id have to do with these? She kicks at Noah's pages. They glow brighter. What does baby bias? These pages are insane maps for impossible television shows. These pages are blazing with soul. Fig gently takes the pink gun from Penelope's hands. What brings you here? I did not come to you about happiness. <laughs> oh, yes, I, I recall. I did not come to you about children, <laughs> a family. I came to you about Decorum. Surely the highest ideal. Now I'm just here so that I might sleep. It is the promise of peace. Dreams aren't actually part of my practice. Yes. She surveys the scene. A ghost, a spirit, a zombie, and a shrink. I know. So speak. Just say a few things, Penelope. I'll sit by as you do. Penelope lies back on the psychiatrist couch. After they took me from that mother on that day, took her small baby from my arms, I began to breathe too much. Go on. Fig climbs onto the couch, rests her head on Penelope's leg. Penelope submits to her presence. I couldn't find a paper bag to breathe into, so I used my hands. Which smelled of them, their young bodies. I took my hands away from my face, but I felt myself breathing too fast, too hard. I knew I had to calm myself, so I turned to math. I counted backwards from 100. 
I got to zero and I turned to philosophy, morality. Then I began to think about not what is, but what should be. I pushed my mind into how we ought to live. I promised myself I would live a more selfless life, a more drastic existence. It was liberating, consoling this selfless view of what was happening in that room. Suddenly, I could see myself as only a collection of sensations, psychological factoids. Nothing mattered. But then, I began to blend with the universal, but not in the good way. No, I began to blend with it, with them, not, not with their deaths, but with the dead fact that there was no one alive now who was them, and the wall between me and this void just flew away. I became unbound. I didn't even know these people, but I was on that current, and it wasn't, it wasn't that I was breathing too quickly now. It just wasn't breathing. And so I grabbed at the charts for the names of anybody who might have been connected to them, even if it was a bad mother, a selfish sister, a mean daddy, a cruel friend, and into the void flooded all of their suffering, and I was overcome. But I was breathing again, and I guess I was crying, but I knew it was these connections. However awful. They, that had at some point been what their life was about, what made it worth living, what could have made it worth living. That these connections, even if they were awful, these connections were what mattered. And I guess I was crying very loudly because they came in then. Security. Then police. Then paramedics. Then my boss. And so I came west to be with Columbia. And in some way, with you. Penelope rests a hand on Fig's head. Strokes her hair. Why am I here? Well, Dr. Douglas, that's a very big question. And, no, uh, I mean, uh, how did I find you? I don't even remember checking in. I, I was on the airplane, and then I was with you. There was a feature on me in the WestJet magazine, and I do advertise in En Route. They have them on the plane. I don't recall. I take the smallest size. I share a small square with Dr. Rennick. It is these human connections that overwhelm. Yes. Yes, they do. There is a knock. Are you going to get that? I wasn't, but... The stage answers the door. It is the handsome delivery man. Hi there. Ah, perfect timing. The delivery man enters with Chinese food. Sorry, there was no Diet Coke, so they gave you regular. That okay? Penelope? Yes, fine. That's fine. Here. Keep four dollars for yourself. Four? Yes. Oh, I don't know if I have the, uh, let me check my... Uh, not sure I've got change, so, uh, just get, uh, uh, that's okay. Just... Just keep the five and, uh... uh are, are you sure? Uh, truly. Uh, 
thanks. Just a second here. I've got, got to get my... Uh, my... Uh, do you need to... Uh, do you, you want to step no, no, inside? Put something down? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, Come on in. No, no. Put something down. Really? I just need to get my... Uh, no! Fuck me. Don't worry. It's nothing. Listen, I don't need... Don't uh, worry. It's nothing. <laughs> just a little soullessness dissolving. <laughs> just a little self-absorption breaking up. Jesus Christ. Now run. Keep your nose clean, son. Think of others before yourself. Just keep that change and run. All the change? Run like the fucking wind. <sighs> the sage closes the door, brings the delivery paper bags inside. Uh, you have to eat. I am not in conversation with the world. Yes, yes. I don't have the energy are... to talk to you. Do you want this chicken on top of your rice or beside it? On top. Wait, is there sauce? What do you mean? On the chicken, is there sauce? Of course there's sauce. I am tired. Close the blinds. Of this soullessness. It isn't actually soullessness at this point. Oh, Meredith. Sing and rejoice. Fortune is smiling on you. What? Your fortune. He hands her a tiny piece of paper. Her fortune. It glows. Exterior, cloudy day. Somewhere by a playground, we hear the sounds of children not playing. Dee Dee has her baby in a stroller. They are wearing matching travel outfits. Howdy. I can't help you. I've been fired. I needed those pages when I asked for them. Festival's over. I'm going home, sell my house, move west. West of Los Angeles? China. Depending which way you fly, she won't know the difference. It'll be home to her. Good food, nice trains, a healthy respect for luxury goods and services. I'm sorry I wasn't quicker. You had to think. Good girl. A world without morals is a bleak place. Nothing matters. Are you saying nothing matters? In a world without morals, kitten claws in lipstick. Kitten? In a world beyond morals, anything is possible. I hope that's so. Penelope watches the playground, touches her cut absently. Didi rocks the stroller absently. A mother sacrifices her child to save a playground full of children. That's a beautiful person. That's not me. Good. Doctor, why don't you have a child? I can drive black cattle in the dark. There's a storm cloud and a sudden darkness, and the soft sonic roll of black cattle in the dark. Penelope gives the pages to Dee Dee. They flare. All yours. Lily Bishop is attached. I don't cast. You do now. In a hospital somewhere, Coma Lily twitches to life. You know this is illegal. So's killing yourself. In the morgue, Noah takes off his lanyard. Szechuan Television Festival, largest media marketplace in the universe. The new frontier. It's a fucking revolution. Not afraid of a little drama there. Those pages are maps, Data. Good God. These are prayers, Dr. Douglas. 
Dee Dee glows in the light of Noah's pages. Though Dee Dee takes the pages from her, Penelope continues to glow. He was the pilot. I was the pilot. Kamikaze, wind of God. Night flight to China. Ran out of fuel and aimed well. You're it, Penelope. Penelope fingers Noah's lanyard. It's around her neck now. Penelope's eyes seem to glow a phosphorescent green. She bends down to peer in at the baby. We hear the sounds of children playing, gradually intensifying over the following. Who are you, Dr. Douglas? I am the worker ant. Approach me and there is no beginning. Follow me and there is no end. I am protector, reporter, scout. I am the swamp master. Penelope and Dee Dee shake hands. Penelope and Fig walk along. In the civilized world, our evening movie or hockey game or television show is our day's end. The last spasms of a survival mechanism designed to discharge any excess perceptive energies. So, so that, that we, we may, may sleep. sleep. Fig takes Penelope to the morgue. Noah is on a gurney, motionless, the first time he has truly looked dead. We will have a drama. If only to lessen for a moment the unbearable tension between our conscious and unconscious minds. Between what is right and what is. Penelope touches Noah's bruised throat. Sorry, buddy. I didn't see it coming. Penelope touches Noah's body in the places that have been described to her as housing soul. Heart, liver, kidneys, spleen. Somewhere. Eusociality is the systemic breeding of non-reproducing members of an animal species in order to ensure the survival of the species as a whole. Somewhere, Dee Dee with her sleeping baby, lit only by her phone, she's on with Madame Chen, CEO of China Central Television. That's right, Cherry. It's called Swamp Masters. It's a one-hour procedural set in psychic backrooms of an oil town after a boom. And there's this band of underground renegade psychiatrists call themselves the Swamp Masters. Somewhere, the sage dances. Part cowboy, part naked mole rat. The city's like Gotham, and it's in big trouble. But these shrinks are like shrink superheroes. Each one of them has some major psychic disfigurement that they transform through ancient alchemy into a kind of equal and opposite superpower. Noah stirs. The termites mating flight is nearly equivalent to the movement of sperm and ova. The Swamp Master's spiritual leader is the soul of a 15-year-old girl who can't quite grasp that she will never be born and so has an infinite understanding of the preciousness of life. Fig feels for a pulse in Lily's neck. Mm -hmm. That's right, Cherry. She's fearless. Lily squirms to life. She is Penelope Douglas, the television version. The living body is a field on which the spirit plays. Their headquarters is an abandoned abattoir Heart, gut, liver, lungs. They gather their energies by performing psychic autopsies on the newly dead. It's forensics, Cherry. 
but of souls. Grief, courage, duty, love. In a eusocial society, roughly 10% of insects function as protectors. Fig goes to where Columbia is in her 11th hour of labor. These forensic super shrinks return to the body's wisdom and harness these actual drops of soul from the body's organs to guide Gotham back toward some form of salvation. The dead persist, you see, just in different bodies. <laughs> the sage approaches Columbia and draws out a small vial of a tincture. Every episode finds its narrative roots in myth, wherein heroes and heroines, unbound by claims of womb and breast, dive down, down into the swamp that is the mother of all daddies, the daddio of all psychiatric sofas, deep into the waters of the human soul. The sage administers a drop of the tincture to Columbia. Noah hops up on a marble slab, dons a cowboy hat, and dances a slow-mo go-go. But here's the catch, honey. This thing comes in bundles of time on its own schedule. Some episodes are going to be an hour. No, an actual hour. But some will be 17 minutes. There's one I've been reading. I think it's... I don't know what it is. Exit Didi, murmuring to sell. I think it is wrong to call the dead dead. The dead are with us always. Lily's phone rings. Yes? Yes, this is Lily Bishop. Oh, hi, Didi. Lily lives again. Yes, Didi? Yes? 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 Yes! Exit Lily, murmuring to sell. Noah dances. Fig escorts Penelope to where the sage is. He's wearing a surgical gown, and there's a tiny baby swaddled in his arms. It's all right, I'm a doctor. Columbia is sleeping, and she is well. This baby has all its fingers and toes. And its soul. Penelope looks into the baby's face, seeking. Oh my, Penelope. I see we've come to time. The sage settles the baby in Penelope's arms. Baby and a soul. Penelope stares into the baby's eyes for a long moment. Fig watches them from shadows, enchanted. The sage makes the secret commando hand signal toward Fig and steps away. In the morgue, 11 bodies come to life and dance with Noah. They dance. Exterior. Hotel Nequaga. Poolside, a few weeks later. Sun drenches the deck. Penelope and Columbia stroll in, wearing sundresses from Cody and Sue. It's a chill scene. Frontier scene. Western. Neo-Western. Columbia has her baby in a little blanket, light as a doily. All characters from the pilot episode are present in some form. Dee Dee and Lily as triumphant visitors from China. Noah sipping cappuccino and sunglasses. Meredith drinking a Negroni with Dr. Renick. That's me. 
Figgis there too is a mole rat shaped cloud. It's like the last scene in The Wizard of Oz, only different. Mm. Do all new babies smell like this? You mean like new babies? Yes. <sighs> oh. Maybe it's postpartum, but I think babies are as beautiful as horse skeletons. I think horse skeletons are as beautiful as babies. I think the birthing drugs the doctor gave you haven't worn off. Penelope gazes up and out. I always thought a Chinook was a kind of bear. Imagine a sprawling city nestled between plains and mountains, blue-glassed condominiums mirroring some kind of Gotham on the prairies. A city that's good at what it does, but isn't sure of what it's doing. Do I look fat in this body? You look perfect. How are my lips? They're perfect. You look like a Hollywood star. I just want to be a good aunt. Imagine a map. Imagine zooming in on one particular block, on one desert landscaped boulevard, then down through the dove gray coils of the brain of one Eastern born psychiatrist and deep into her soul. Feathers, a bird has fallen. Bird, bird down. Bird down. Penelope steps toward the bird. Everyone watches her. When remedy is exhausted, so is grief. There's no way around what we are. Doomed, yes. But meteorite or bomb, plague or ice. We know our days are numbered, just not what the number is. So let us bless our glorious escalades May our long weekends give us peace. May our animals rest in peace as their skeletons let the Chinook sky gleam through where liver, heart, lungs, and stomach used to be. Penelope kneels, cradles the little bird in her hands. Beneath us is a dark presence, black and oily, a world of the dead. We thrive on it, brightly, and we will be returned to it. But for now, we're still here. And I find myself wondering, not how long until we vanish, but what it is that's brought us here. Like they say, some people never even get born at all. And so I wonder, you lucky livers, I wonder, why are you here? What brings you here? Penelope strokes the little bird. It's difficult. I know. Penelope lifts the bird up. Gently, she blows air at the tiny holes in the bird's little beak. As we fade to black, we hear Penelope's breath. Then, in the blackness, there is the flapping of wings. Exterior. Day. Pearly Gates. JFOK. JFOK is a one-hour, six-part series set in the early 70s, and it's basically about John F. Kennedy, but in this world, the bullets missed. He's okay! 
He's basically retired or whatever, and his kids are teenagers. It's a drama, kind of dark, but not without shafts of light. He and Jackie have real marital difficulties. He has had affairs, but there's a lot of love between them. And of course, they love their kids, who are filled with promise. They have challenges as a couple and as a family, but the world they live in is... It's okay. JFOK is set in a world where nurses still wear dresses. Corporations answer the phone. And it's neato to have a monkey as a pet. You have been listening to part four of Drama, the pilot episodes, a contemporary Western psychodramedy in four parts. These parts have come to you on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and you can always hear them at our website, limegreenkitten.ca. This has been a Lime Green Kitten production in association with One Yellow Rabbit Performance Theatre. For more information about the show, go to limegreenkitten.ca. But while you're here, Drama was written by Karen Hines, with sound design and music composed and performed by Dowie Wood. Directed by Blake Brooker. Starring in alphabetical order. Denise Clark as Dita. Andy Curtis as The Sage. Ali Direct as The Realtor. Karen Hines as Dr. Rennick. Jamie Konchak as Lily, the actress. Allison Lynch as Columbia, the best friend. Amy Saka as The Little Concierge, also known as Fig. Mike Tan as Noah, the content provider. With Daniela Vlaskalik as Dr. Penelope Douglas, MD, PhD. And introducing Aria Wood as The Baby. This has been a Lime Green Kitten production. Ah!